The Maker's House Chapel International presents Destiny Word with Dr. Michael Buedinyamite. God has destined for each and every one of us to live a life of purpose, a life of abundance, and a life that pleases Him. Dr. Michael Buedinyamite's mandate is clear. He's equipped to raise destiny giants for our time, equipped with the wisdom and anointing for a time such as now. Please stay tuned in to Destiny Word. You lift your right hand up with me very quickly. I just want you to pray today. I'm bringing to an end a sermon and um, the series on holiness even as we started. But I want us to pray to God for his own visitation. Bible says the Lord is in his holy temple. When we gather with one heart, with one mind, the Lord always shows up. You want to pray to God that let your presence that is already here saturate every soul. Will you pray that prayer for me for one minute? Let your presence Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, sweet Spirit of God. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Holy Spirit of God. Let the power of the Holy Ghost let the grace of your spirit thank you Jesus hallelujah if you came with a Bible will you please lift it up with me if you came with your Bible will you please lift it up and say after me this is my Bible it is the word of God I'll become what it says I can become. I'll go where it says I can go. I will achieve what it says I can achieve. Would you slap your chest and say, I am a believer? Come on, do it again. Say, I am a believer. I want you to still go to the book of Hebrews, chapter number 12. Which is an extension of the book of Hebrews, chapter number 11 even in arrangement, but more so in his texture, contest, and direction. In Hebrews 11, he talks about faith. He talks about the faith of the patriarchs. He moves on and talks about other servants who were and who exhibited faith, like Gideon, like Samson, like Jephthah, like David, like Samuel. You get to the Hebrews the book of Hebrews chapter number 12, he's talking about the author and the finisher of the faith that they has exhibited. So in the book of Hebrews, they were exhibiting faith. Chapter 11 was about faith of the people. The people did mighty works and mighty things through God, through faith. When you get to the chapter number 12, then he says that the faith they exhibited was authored and finished by the Christ. 
he moved on and said, we should endure chastening. Because if somebody doesn't love you, or if God doesn't love you, he would not chasten you. We'll get to the verse number 14. And now he's saying that we should follow peace with all men. And holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. He said, looking diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God. So you can hold on to the grace that God will give you. And if you are not diligent enough, you might fall off it. So there are people who experience grace and they fell from grace. He spoke about what we should look out for. He said we should turn away and move from people who are profane and people who are immoral. That was our anchor scripture that we used. Turn to the book of Obadiah 17. Obadiah. It is in, it is in between Amos and Jonah. Those of you who are looking for it. You might be a Christian and never open that book. How many of you genuinely haven't opened Obadiah before? Just be candid. You've never opened. God bless you for your frankness. How many of you, you've never opened Obadiah? The name doesn't even sound nice. So how are you? Obadiah. Obadiah. Have you found Obadiah yet? Obadiah is also a very interesting book because it talks about the judgment of Edom. It talks about the dismay of Edom's mighty men. Then he talks about the punishment of Edom. And he talks about others inhabiting the land that has been given to Edom. But when you get to the popular verse of Obadiah, interestingly, he talks about something that most people quote, but they don't know where it is from. Obadiah chapter number one is only one chapter, of course. The verse number 17 is what I want us to read together. Obadiah 117. Let's read together. In fact, let's do the verse number 18 also. And the house of Jacob shall be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame. Amen. I am going to put this side by side. Hebrews chapter number 12. And crown it because it's the end of the Psalms, um, the holiness series today with Psalm 24. And Psalm 24, I will do it from the verse number one to the verse number six. You're not going to read it. I'll read it to you when the time is due. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we know that the grass will wither, the flower will fade, but your word will abide forever. We pray 
that you will give us a word that works, oh God. Anoint this lips of clay, make it an instrument of a blessing to somebody's life. To the end, our voices shall be lifted in praise in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to look for seven people and tell them, pursue holiness. Just look for them and tell them, neighbor, you need to pursue holiness. Will you look for somebody who has not been in church for a long time and tell the person, neighbor, I've been looking for you. You need to pursue holiness. Hallelujah. I don't know why people feel very uncomfortable when we preach about holiness. Whether it is because they don't want to be holy or they want to be holy, but they don't want to be spoken to about holiness. But interestingly, whether we like it or not, no matter who you are, no matter your pedigree in the faith, how old you have been in this Christian fraternity or in the faith, these are things that are needful and necessary for your eternal redemption. No matter what you do or what you become on this earth, in this world, you have to always have the mind that one day you will exit. Actually, you should always have it at the back of your mind that you are in transit on earth. No matter how long you stay here, you might be here for a hundred years, you are still in transit. You might be here for 50, you are still in transit. Actually, you might be here for 70, for 80, for even 40, you, you, you are still in transit. If you have used any of the international airports across the world, you realize that you might land and catch a flight in about the next hour. Sometimes you might land and your flight is about six hours. And the fact that you are there for six hours doesn't mean you make the place your home. It is still a transit zone. Now, if it is a transit zone and you require certain things to be able to assess where you are going to go, um, then I think it is just right and proper that you as a person will look for, seek after the things that will give you the access to that realm. Paul said, before we became born again, whatever we did that were not right, he forgave us. What it tells you is that after you are saying you are born again, there are certain things that God requires that you do. There are certain things that God requires that you get yourself into. There are also certain things that God requires that you get yourself out from. Because if you are a Christian and at first you used to do certain things which were ungodly or were not prescribed by the Holy Scriptures and you do them, when you become born again, God doesn't expect you to go on that same tangent. In the book of Hebrews chapter number 11 and chapter number 12, I was telling you about how they are intricately interwoven. God, through his wisdom, had given this writer or author the ability to pencil them together, works, faith, and what will bring you your eternal redemption. He's talking about faith, first of all, and he's saying that, you know what, some people who followed God were able to chase the devil out. Some people were able to exercise demons. Some people were able to pass the Red Seas. There are people who did mighty works for God. He gets to the chapter number 12 and he's saying that in spite of what they did, it was through Christ they did it. Why? Because he's the author and the finisher of not just their faith, but also of our faith. He moves on and he now talks about the fact that for us to get to the places where God wants us to get to, we need to pursue peace with all men and holiness without which no man can see God. 
But if you put that test together, chapter number 11, chapter number 12, you'll realize that this man who wrote it, some are saying it's James, some are saying it is Barnabas, some are saying it is Paul. But whoever wrote the test, although he penciled it carefully, is talking about the exploits of the believer. That God expects you to do well. Now listen to this. It is not wrong if people are preaching prosperity. It is not evil. In fact, I've had calls from pastors across the world who call me and they are saying, should, should, should they change? As I said, no, the food must be balanced. You should tell the people how they can do well on earth. But they shouldn't also lose sight of where they are going post this life. What I mean is that God is not against you prospering. God is not against you having a good home. God is not against you having a beautiful house. That is not against God. God is not mad when you get a beautiful um, house, a beautiful car, you drive a beautiful car. God is not mad at that. God is not angry when a man gets a good woman and marries. God is not angry when a woman gets a good man to get married. God is not against any of that. But what the problem really is, is that God, although he wants that for us, God wants us to have something first that will give us an access or the visa to be able to enjoy his fellowship so that he adds all those things to us. And so in the book of Matthew chapter number 6, you read the scripture and uh, Matthew the writer is saying that seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness and all other things shall be added unto you. And so God is not against the capitalistic hermeneutics. God is not against the prosperity gospel. God is not against the get rich gospel that is being preached necessarily. No. But God is is interested in the redemption of the soul of a man because what will profit a man if he gains the whole world and thereby loses his soul god wants your soul to be upright your soul to be in alignment god wants your thoughts to be in alignment god wants you to get to a place that when he appears in his glory you will not be a castaway and so when they preach the capitalistic hermeneutics when they preach the prosperity gospel when they preach that god is going to bless you and you say i receive it well god is not against that when they preach that they take it and you say i take it i receive it i jump god is not against all of that but god is very mindful of where your soul is going to land after you exit this world and so now paul or the writer barnabas or the writer james whoever wrote it is now talking to us and he's saying that if we really want prosperity and we want to be on top and we want to get to the very top of life what god requires is that we are supposed to pursue holiness without which nobody can see God. Why is he saying that? Let me bring, the, bring it home so that you'll understand it. For you to see God simply means you enjoy whatever thing that is connected, related, come from God or comes from God or emanates from God. And so if you don't see him, you don't get what he has for you. If your father is saying that I'm traveling and when I'm coming home, I'm going to bring you this. Until he comes or until you see him, you don't get it. And so for you to get it, you need to see him. And he's saying that the only thing that will make you see the father is through holiness it means that holiness is crucial to god it means that no matter what we do we have to pursue the tenets of holiness you cannot be a christian and do the same things you were doing when you were an unbeliever that is just it you cannot say that you are tongue-talking, spirit-filled, you are power-baptized, you are Holy Ghost-led and driven, and yet you do things that even the unbelievers get shocked when they hear that you did it. Some of the things that we do, I think the devil will even want to issue a disclaimer. And tell God that, God, you know what, this thing that they did, I, I, even me, I, I can't do it. 
I believe that if the devil is to get a chance to appear before God and answer for some of the things that we do, he will issue a disclaimer and say, God, this one is above me. It's above and beyond. They are creative in sinning. Their level of creativity is so high that I can't even explain it. There is a connection between prosperity and holiness. That is where I want to drive to today. That what you want, God wants it for you. But if it's God that wants it for you, God will want you to meet him on his terms. If it is God that wants you to prosper, God will want you to meet him on his terms. We have been preaching and you have been listening and you have been hearing a lot of preachers across the globe. Not just in TMH, all over the place. And what preachers have been doing is that we are now feeding you with things that will pump you up. And it's like you can go out there and take over the kingdoms of the world. And it's true. The way God has created you and the way God has made you, you can go out there and take over the kingdoms of our world. But when you read Obadiah, our uncle's scripture today, which talks about the land and the taking over of things that belong to the people of God. And now God has led the man called Obadiah, the prophet, to write. When he was writing, he was talking about the blessings and how the people believe that they are untouchable. When you read from the verse number four, he's talking about the fact that they feel they are untouchable. They have made their places in the caves and they, have, they stay in the cleft of, of, of the rocks. And because they think they are untouchable, God says that I'll bring them down. He talks about all that and he's now talking about the material acquisition. And he drives home and I believe that he was speaking to the 21st century Christian. Because when you get to this point, this man is now talking about the fact that people need to possess what belongs to them. That is supposed to mean that there are certain things that before you became a born-again believer, God had already set them aside for you. Everybody who is a Christian, everybody who is a child of God, everybody who is a creature of God, let me put it right. Because everybody can be a, a creature of God, but not everybody qualifies to be called a child of God. Being called a child is by adoption for us. Until you are born again, we can't call you the child of God. Unto them that believe, them gave he power to be called the sons or the children of God. And so for you to be called a child of God, you need to believe in the Christ. And he gives you the power to be called. So it's the title of the believer. A child of God. Certified. He's saying that before you, be, you were even a clot of blood in your mother's womb, before you even became a born-again believer, God is saying that there are certain things that I had earmarked for you. Save, of course, you don't believe in predestination. To them that he predestined, them he called. Them that he called, he justified. Them that he justified, he glorified. And so God predestines, he calls, he justifies before glorification. These are things that God does. And what I mean is that before you even became a Christian, what God wanted you to have, he had already earmarked it. Which is supposed to tell you as a child of God that there is nothing new that God is going to make for you. God won't make anything new for you. If we are saying that God is going to make something new for you, then we are also undermining the omniscience of God. 
He is not only sovereign, he's omniscient. It means he's all-knowing. And for us to say that he's omniscient and he's all-knowing, what we are saying is that the day that you came and the day you take your last breath, he knows it. And he has earmarked the things that you need for this journey for you. And so God knows that for where he wants to take you to, he has to connect you to certain people. God knows that. And so when you meet the people, it is not an accident or it's not a mistake or a coincidence. It is a divine program that is being played out. Now, if it is a divine program that is being played out, you need to also understand that for you to also chance upon what is the divine will of God for you, you need to be in alignment with the divine. Now, follow me carefully before I start running with you. What the test is saying is, because God has earmarked those things for you already, and they are there, they are yours. What it means is that because they are yours, nobody can take it. The fact that nobody can take it doesn't mean you can also have it. What is yours will be yours for as long as you live. But it is one thing having it as yours and it's another thing possessing it. Your name might be on it, but it might never touch your hand. And so we are busy talking about how people can prosper. How people can do well, take territories, fulfill destiny. How we can go out there and be effective and relevant even in the marketplace. I can preach that from morning till evening. Because the truth is that that is what God has for us. They are our possession. They are what we ought to have. And so having been called the blessed one is something God will want you to have. Being called the elevated one is the thing God wants you to have. Being called a household name is what God wants you to have. And so Obadiah said, and in that day upon Mount Zion. Now I am saying, I am just opposing Obadiah 17 or 117 and the book of Psalm 24 because they all talk about Zion. If you remember what I taught you in Psalm 23, I said that in Psalm 22, it was Calvary's hill. But Psalm 24 is on Zion. Now he's saying that when we come to Zion, upon Mount Zion, there shall be deliverance. And so when you become born again, what God wants from you, the first thing that is required when you get on Zion's hill is that your mind should be emancipated. Deliverance. Have you forgotten that the Bible says that be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And so when you get onto Zion, the first deliverance God wants for you is the deliverance of your mind. Emancipate yourself from mental slavery. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bob Marley said that. You need to get to a place where anything that enslaves your mind, there is a divine emancipation. Because upon Mount Zion, and before you get what God has for you, there should be deliverance in your mind. Mental deliverance. And so what used to saddle you doesn't saddle you anymore. What, what used to cripple you doesn't cripple you anymore. At first, when people speak ill of you, and you get so sad, and you get so broken and you are unable to move and you lose your appetite when you get to zion when you have an encounter with god upon mount zion there should be deliverance the deliverance is talking about if you read the test and the original test is talking about the two planes of the human existence He's not talking about the physical deliverance he's talking about the deliverance of your soul and deliverance of your spirit 
heart deliverance. Mental deliverance. When you get to Zion's hill, upon Mount Zion, there shall be deliverance. So what you used to crave for in your mind and in your heart, you don't crave for them anymore. You cannot be in Zion and be entangled. There is no way a child of God should be in Zion and be entangled. I pray for everybody who dwells in Zion. That may the Lord God liberate you. Can I pray for somebody who is believing God for something? Whatever has saddled you. Whatever has bound you. Whatever has crippled you. Today I cry for deliverance. May the Lord bring you deliverance in any area of your life. Upon Mount Zion. You can't be in Zion and be entangled. You can't be in Zion and be bound. You can't be in Zion and be imprisoned. You can't be in Zion and be limited. You can't be in Zion and be restrained by the devil. Upon Mount Zion, there shall be deliverance. And not only that, the writer was careful enough to know that after deliverance, if you don't practice certain things, there is a likelihood or the tenacity or the, the propensity that the devil will come back and lure you back to where he, he kept you before you had the deliverance and he said that for you to move to your next level you don't only need deliverance because deliverance is the best place for what God will want you to have. He said after deliverance there shall be holiness. You, you see what the writer is talking about after you are delivered you should rigorously pursue purity and holiness and until you experience the holiness that God is able to help you to get. The Bible says that until you experience that then there is no way you can possess your possession. He said but upon Mount Zion there shall be deliverance and there shall be holiness and the sons of Jacob. What he's saying is that if you are in Zion, God expects you to be holy. And until you are holy, you shall never possess what God had for you before you became a born again believer. What is scripture telling us this morning? That what your name is tacked on, you can't have it until you pursue holiness. Can I preach it to you now? I think I have some time to preach my sermon. Until you get to the place in Zion where you are holy. You can't possess, man of God, your possession. So that I receive it, I take it, I grab it, I walk in it, I swim in it. People even dive in it. So some people can dive, nose dive into blessing. How many of you have heard that song before? If it's a few, I am a few, I am a few. I feel, 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 I Victory and blessing and this. Receive your marriage. I receive it. Receive your breakthrough. I receive it. They are yours. Actually, you don't need to receive. Because if you understand the holy sacraments of the Bible, the tenets of predestination and what God does with us, I don't need to receive. I have it. But how is it that, why is it that I have it but I can't assess it? 
It is there. He didn't say they will be given possessions. He said the house of Jacob shall possess there. It means it was theirs, but they never had it. What God is saying is that you might be earmarked for a blessing you will never experience. You might be in church for 400 years. And even 450, if you want to live that long, which I don't. However you, and how long you live on this earth, you might be here, be claiming, be receiving, and you might never have it. Because it is not the confession only. The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. We don't talk about that. We talk about the fervent, effectual fervent prayer availeth much. We omit that, the righteous. The reason why you have been praying for long and yet you have not been receiving miracles is because although you are praying, you are not in alignment. Your lifestyle and character is not in alignment with God. But upon Mount Zion, there shall be holiness and there shall be deliverance and the sons of Jacob shall possess their possession. It means that you can only have it after you have exhibited and experienced the deliverance that comes from God and walked in the holiness that comes from God. Then whatever God has for you called your possession, the Bible says you shall possess it. I pray that whatever God has for you called your possession. May the Lord bring you to can I pray for somebody? May the Lord bring you to a place where you will not only experience deliverance and holiness, but you also possess your possession. Can I now prophesy to somebody? Because I came ready for this. May the Lord bring you what is yours. I was praying this dawn and I asked God, so why is it that we have been believing? He said, go back to Obadiah 17. Read the test again. It is after deliverance and they exhibit holiness. That is when what is yes, I give to them. I pray in the name of Jesus that whatever is yours, may the Lord God bring it to you. Whatever is yours upon Mount Zion. When you get to Zion's hill, there is deliverance. You can't be in Zion and be in bondage. And one day I have to probably walk you through the test that tells you that what God really wants you to do and have not only is it already there, but you also need to believe him to enter into it. Upon Mount Zion, there shall be deliverance. Mental deliverance. Heart deliverance. Deliverance of your spirit. Deliverance of your soul. That is the deliverance he was talking about. After you have been delivered, you will be holy. You have to be holy. You will touch no unclean thing. And after the holiness, he's saying that that is when you will possess. So what God has for you, God wants you to have it. But you can never assess it if it is God's way. Without holiness. But let me bring it home then and preach to you in the last closing minutes of my sermon. David now writes about Zion. When David is writing, please sit down. Sit. You make me feel I have to close. 
David is writing about Zion in Psalm 24. And interestingly, when he starts, he talks about the things that we like. The things that humanity chases after. The things that excites us. That gives us a spring in our walk. That thing we look for. And he starts, he opens up the psalm. And he says, oh, ye people, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. This is David writing. And he's saying that the things that you are looking for, the gold, the silver, the diamond, the cars, the houses, the properties, the, the business, the things that you are looking for, they are the Lord's. And the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. He has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Then he starts moving and he's talking about how this God controls all these elements. So what you are looking for, God is saying that I have them. I made them. I own them. I can make you a steward whilst you sojourn. Even though you are in transit, I can make you a steward and make your life comfortable in transit. Okay, what I mean is that uh, probably the proper scenario to use is for those of you who travel. If you are traveling and you are going to, the, the layover is going to be like six hours, eight hours, ten hours in an airport. You get to an airport where you find people sleeping in the chairs. Somebody is also going the same journey and the person is going to enjoy the VIP and the business lounge. So whilst you are sleeping on your bag, Somebody has a reclining chair where he's served, uh, for those of you who do the other things, he served things that will calm his nerves. And whilst he's there, he, he's being um, prompted that there are things available. That there is a buffet you can serve yourself whilst you are busily sleeping. And your neck is aching. Somebody is comfortable in transit. God is saying, I can make your life comfortable in transit. You don't have to sleep in the chair. You don't have to be in the pew. You don't have to sleep on your back. Some people sleep on their back and when they wake up, it's as if somebody beat them. You don't have to sleep on your back. You don't have to sleep in the chair. I can make your journey comfortable as long as you sojourn. But read the test. He's saying that that is mine. Everything here is mine. The gold is mine. The silver is mine. The carbon kill is mine. The honest is mine. The diamond is mine. What brings people wealth and prosperity? It is mine. It is only my blessing that maketh the man rich. And he adds no sorrow unto it. Because it is mine, I know how to take it, where to take it from, and how to give it to you. I pray that whatever is God's, and whatever he has for you, may God bring it to you. Can I prophesy to somebody real quick? May the Lord bring you what he has for you. He said the earth is mine and the fullness thereof. Whatever you require for destiny for fulfillment. I pray that God will never deny you of what is good and what will send you to that level of performance 
and manifestation. He now removes forward and this is what God is saying and he moves my spirit. He's saying that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein he has found it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Um, who shall ascend to the hills of God and who shall dwell? He's talking about Zion now. A Zion that he's talking about is the coronation. He's talking about ascending to the hills of God and he's talking about dwelling there. And I read the test and I get so excited because a lot of people can ascend. A lot of people get blessed temporarily. Somebody is say, saying, to, is saying to me in his heart, but man of God, I know of people who don't know God and they have prospered. I know of people who don't even live holy and they have prospered. They have good homes. Their wives, their husbands love them. Their wives love them. They do. They are horrible people, but yet they have experienced goodness and they have experienced their blessings in this world. Well, I came to tell you and repeat Psalm 37 and I can even backdate it to Psalm 34 that says that fret not yourself because of the evil worker neither be thou deceived because of the worker of iniquity for very soon they shall be cut off like grass and they shall wither like the green herb what God is saying is that the prosperity of the ungodly is not enduring it doesn't stay when God blesses you it stays to the third and fourth generation I came to pray for somebody that the blessing God will give you will stay to the third and fourth generation your blessings shall not be cut off prematurely what I mean is that your children shall experience what you experience their children shall be blessed because you know God look at somebody and say he's talking to me oh I have some minutes look at somebody and say he's talking to me the blessings God has for you will not be cut off your children will experience it their children will experience it their children will experience it who shall ascend to the hills of God and who shall dwell in his holy place. Can I sermonically now submit to you that ascension has never been a problem but dwelling has. People get blessed and they don't stay blessed. People get married and they don't stay married. People get promoted and they don't stay promoted. People are elevated and they don't stay elevated. People experience an open door and not in a long while the door is closed up on them again. But the Bible says that for you to dwell in a place there is always a criteria. God has the requirement that is that is needed or necessary for you to stay in the hills of God who shall ascend to the hills and who shall dwell I just feel in my spirit to pray for somebody who has been believing God to dwell there that where you are you are not going to come down from there you can only move up from where you are may the Lord give you the ability to dwell where God has planted you may God give you the grace to dwell there may you dwell where God God has for you. May you dwell there. And my Bible tells me and he began to enlist or he began to enumerate what is required. He said he that has clean hands. God wants your hands to be clean. God doesn't want you to mess up yourself and saw yourself with the things and pleasures of this world for you to stay on Zion's hill. People of God, you need to get to a place where your hands are not messed up. He that has clean hands and a pure heart. What it means is that you are happy when somebody is blessed. You are excited when somebody is going up. You are thankful when somebody, when your neighbor is going up. Why? Because I always say when God is blessing your neighbor, it means he's in the neighborhood. And so I am happy for you when God is blessing you. My heart is pure. I am not jealous of you. I am not envious of who you are. I am thankful that you bought that car. I am happy that you bought that house. I am happy 
see that your house is the most beautiful in the whole of Ghana and Africa. I'm thankful for you. But I am not envious of you. Why? Because my heart is pure. I am happy for you. Is there anybody with a pure heart in this place? Is there anybody whose heart is pure? Is there anybody whose heart is pure and has not lifted up his soul onto vanity? What is the Bible telling you? If somebody's soul is lifted to vanity, what it means is that the person is chasing after things that God wouldn't want him to chase. It means that when the person has this, the person wants more and it is not even in alignment with what their capacity can handle. He is vain. The Bible talks in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 1, 2, 3 that all these things are called vanity and that is why God doesn't want your heart to be set on these things. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all other things shall be added unto you. God wants you to seek him and all these things shall be added unto you. He has not lifted up his soul unto vanity. Neither has he sworn deceitfully he doesn't deceive people. When he doesn't love you, he doesn't say, I love you. When he doesn't, you say things that you don't mean. No, you are swearing deceitfully because anything that gets you into conversation and you lead somebody on, knowing that I'm leading the person on and I'm taking the person nowhere, you are a deceiver and a supplanter. And God is not happy with you. You cannot dwell on Zion's hill with deception, with lies, with concoction of evil. You cannot dwell on Zion's hill when you are somebody who undermines people, who sabotages people. All that you do is that you want people to come down. But please understand this. No matter how you pull your neighbor down, what is his will never come to you because his name tag is on it. Can I tell somebody something before I continue? Whatever is yours, nobody can take it from you because your name is on. Can I pray for a TMH member? Is there any TMH person here? Can I pray for you as a priest on the altar that whatever is yours nobody can take it from you can I announce it to in the camps of hell I want my voice to reverberate in the camps of your enemies that whatever is yours nobody can take it from you whatever God has for you nobody whatever is yours whatever God has for you if God wants you to be the president of Ghana, nobody can take it from you. Let them do posters and publicity. Let them pay YouTube and Facebook and stage a propaganda against you. There is a God who is able to make a way where there seems to be no way. No matter how you drag somebody down, what is his? I remember when the young men were singing. No matter my level of jealousy, I can't pitch like that. What is this? I can't have it. If I am smart and I understand that the world and the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, I rejoice over somebody's strength and I believe God for enhancement of mine so that others can celebrate mine. For if you don't celebrate what God has given to another person, you will never be celebrated for what God has given to you. Is there anybody who knows that God has given you something? What is yours? Nobody can take it from you. Clean hands, pure heart has not lifted up his soul. Unto vanity. 
a lot of us our souls are lifted onto vanity you want to buy a car to impress a lady soul lifted onto vanity you want to buy a dress so that a man can look at you and say mm, mm, mm. soul lifted onto vanity you want to stand on the heel six inch heel and have a low cut um a handkerchief skirt so that people will look at your legs and say that mm, these legs are fine soul lifted onto vanity the the thing you are pursuing what is the motive the motive is the only decider whether your soul is lifted onto vanity or not and so you can go to the gym to pump up muscles so that you can have six packs because you want to stay healthy you can also go to the gym and have six packs because you want girls to appreciate you what i mean is that there are certain things that we do that tells us that our souls are lifted onto vanity you are doing that so that you can impress your woo or do something with people but I came to talk to a people who are believing God and who want to walk right with God in this end time. That let not your soul be lifted unto vanity and do not swear deceitfully. Do not allow your soul. He said you dwell there. Your soul is not lifted unto vanity. Neither has the person sworn deceitfully. The person doesn't deceive people. He shall receive the blessings of the Lord and his righteousness from the God of his salvation, then you get to the part where the coronation begins and says, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and let the king of glory enter therein. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord who is mighty in battle. Now he's talking about the coronation. If you get to places where doors open for you, your hands are supposed to be clean. Your heart is supposed to be pure. Your soul shouldn't be lifted unto vanity. You don't swear deceitfully. You want doors to be opened unto you, and you want to dwell in places of glory and prominence. Do you know why there are certain times preachers I show up. Preachers just pop up. You hear of preachers and in two, three years you don't hear of them anymore because their souls were lifted onto vanity. They became proud and boastful and they forgot that God resists the proud and gives room and grace to the humble. God is looking for humble people to lift in this end time. God is looking for people whose hands are clean to lift in this end time. God is looking for people whose hearts are somebody by you. Is your heart pure enough? Come on, look for somebody and say, are your hands clean? Can I get you walking to somebody? I, I want to see some movement. Can I see you getting up and looking for somebody? Three people. Ask them, are your hands clean? Is your heart pure? Is your soul not lifted onto vanity? Don't you swear deceitfully. And you just want to look at somebody in the eye and ask the person, are you sure your hands are clean? Are you sure your heart is pure? Are you sure your soul is not lifted onto vanity? Are you sure? Are you sure that you don't swear deceitfully? Then if you don't do this, then I can tell you, as a priest on the altar that you shall receive the blessings of the Lord and his righteousness from the God of his salvation. Can I speak to every door that has been closed even as we stand as holy people lift up your heads O ye gates and be lifted up ye everlasting doors and let the king of glory enter therein. Who is this king of glory? The devil might ask. The inquisitor might ask. The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord who is mighty in battle. May the Lord who is mighty in battle go ahead of you and open every closed door. May the Lord God go ahead of you. I think I can bring my sermon to a close by saying this. When you are holy, you attract your kind. If you find out 
that the people who come around you are only gossips. Check yourself. If somebody can come to you and tell you lies, it means he has a rate your cognitive ability. That is why people who are logically discerning, if you are lying to them, they ask you, they tell you you are insulting their intelligence. Before somebody exhibits a character around you, it means they've weighed you and they know it's acceptable in your domain. I don't want to be rude because I'm not. But the people that come around you should give you a clue of how you are viewed and the temperature around your life. Because there are certain temperatures bacteria can survive. Oh, my chemistry was just in secondary school. But I know that the reason why they tell you to eat food that is hot or warm is because there are certain pathogens, there are certain bacteria that will not be able to survive in that climate. The snake is slimy. The snake is cunning. The snake is skillful as long as it's on the ground. When you move midair, the snake is clueless because it doesn't understand that terrain. I mean, things get by in terrains they are comfortable. So, the people around you gives us a clue who you are. Have you asked yourself why it appears that every information you are the first to hear? Have you ever asked yourself why is it that for you, you are the minister for information? Without portfolio. The minister for information. Everything. If we want information and we don't look for you. Oh, you have industry knowledge. Please. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed with Destiny Word by Dr. Michael Boydi-Nyamiche. You are cordially invited to the Maker's House Chapel International, Kwabanya Off Point One. Join in on any of our services, Sunday Word, first service, 7 to 9 a.m., second service, from 10 a.m. to 12 noon, teaching service on Wednesdays, 6.30 to 8 p.m., and our flagship program, The Morning Aura, on Saturdays from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. to engage in prayer and experience the supernatural. For more information about this ministry, call 0244-221-272 or 0262-731-570.
or visit our website www.themakershousechapel.org. We believe in the word in totality and the light it brings our path to experience the grace to take territories and fulfill destiny. God richly bless you.